This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, September 24th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. The Supreme Court is likely to hear a challenge to the Defense of Marriage Act in its next term, according to Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So what will that case look like? Walter Olson, senior fellow at the Cato Institute, ponders how the Supreme Court might end DOMA. It is almost certain to come before the Supreme Court in one form or another, and they have some choice of which cases to take. But what has happened over the last couple of years is that um, rather dramatically, a whole bunch of federal courts, I think the number is up to seven now, have decided that part of DOMA is unconstitutional. And because DOMA is a federal statute, because uh, seriously taking Uh, it is partly unconstitutional, would require the government to change a lot of programs, Social Security, Medicaid, many others. Uh, The the federal government has to get some certainty as to what the law is. Uh, Unlike some areas of law, it can't very well leave it to the circuits and say, well, we'll recognize the marriages in New York, but not in Iowa. And that's because there are so many federal programs that are dependent upon this definition of marriage. It's extremely important in a lot of programs. And uh, the cases have bubbled up in uh, federal employment, for example, where uh, one of the very first cases uh, was in California, where Judge Alex Kaczynski, often cited as one of the most libertarian federal judges, uh, decided, I think it was around 97 or 98, that an employee of his court who was asking for medical benefits for her spouse uh, was entitled to them because DOMA was unconstitutional as applied to that issue. And that is one of the cases that is now uh, percolating upward uh, through the courts, Golinski versus Office of Personnel Management. So just to be clear, uh, the case that will likely come before the U.S. Supreme Court in this next term is not Perry v. Schwarzenegger, which is, as I understand it, uh, an equal protections case. Perry versus Schwarzenegger, now, uh, of course, Brown is the, the, the governor, is a different case that is also about gay rights, also quite important, but definitely a separate case from the DOMA cases. The Supreme Court uh, is very likely to take the DOMA cases. It is not as certain whether it wants to also take the California Prop 8 case, although it probably will. Let's take these one at a time. And I'll I'll start with the Prop 8 because it's um, more of a California-only controversy. At least that's how the Ninth Circuit framed it when it made its decision. California, like many states, passed a ballot initiative, uh, uh, Prop 8, which banned same-sex marriage. Unlike most other states, California already had, although only for a few months, same-sex marriage. And so it was taking away a right that people had been exercising. It was literally disenfranchising people from a right that they had enjoyed. The the right had vested in California, unlike basically anywhere else. And uh, there's a line of federal cases, uh, which the best known is Romer v. Evans, uh, in which the court's logic has been to snatch away something that has already been granted is something we're going to look at carefully uh, to see whether there is uh, bias or animus against a, a group that is not well represented in the political process or that is a minority or or whatever. And uh, the Ninth Circuit, uh, in an opinion by the crafty judge uh, Reinhardt, a liberal lion of that court, uh, 
rather deliberately wrote it narrowly so as to, you know, like an uh, airline ticket good within California only, uh, on, on a logic that wasn't very easily extended to any other state and which invited the Supreme Court to say, oh, this is just a California issue uh, uh, and maybe not review it for that reason, which would leave uh, Reinhardt's ruling in place. Uh, it's quite unlike the DOMA cases where uh, the federal government uh, needs to make very big changes in its own programs if the ruling stand. And on that, you've got, uh, the, uh, as I say, you've got employment relations cases involving benefits for federal employees. You've got a bankruptcy case. The two that are uh, closest to being teed up for Supreme Court review are both from Massachusetts. And they involve uh, in some ways, burdens on the states, and the, uh, Massachusetts is in fact a, a, a party. Uh, and this, I should mention before going further, DOMA has two halves, and only one half is really at issue this year before the Supreme Court. Uh, the half that is not being litigated over is uh, the half that says that states do not have to recognize same-sex marriages in other states. And that's not under challenge by this round of litigation. And uh, even if the um, courts completely agree with the plaintiffs, uh, states will remain uh, not um, obliged to uh, recognize each other's uh, marriage law. Uh, but the notice the how federalism kind of cuts opposite ways with the two provisions. Uh, that non-recognition thing is meant to um, protect states' autonomy to pursue their own path on this. On the other hand, the uh, uniform federal definition one uh, kind of disrespects states. And it didn't matter particularly when DOMA passed in 1996 because at that point, no state had gay marriage. So no state was having the federal thumb stuck in its eye by non-recognition. At this point, several large, relatively important states like New York uh, have gay marriage and find that their programs are very difficult to mesh with the federal governments. In the Massachusetts case, for example, you've got – and here's another of the, the paradoxes that, that we delight in, in in the law. Massachusetts wants to count the same-sex spouse's uh, income for purpose of deciding whether someone's poor enough to get Medicaid. The federal government says, no, 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 you must not count the income of that person. They're just a roommate for federal purposes. So Massachusetts wants to crack down and actually take money away from the gay couple. And the federal government is saying, no, 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 you have to let the other uh, gay partner shelter his or her income. You know, it's, it's the opposite of, of what people are expecting to see with, with, with the law. And um, because there are a whole bunch of um, effectively joint federal state programs in which when the gears don't mesh, uh, you get uh, real practical problems for the state administrators as well as for the individuals involved. Uh, the uh, situation has changed on the ground since gay marriage became the rule in a bunch of states. Uh, those states have tended to mobilize as litigation factors saying, uh, look, we are not happy with the uh, – uh, refusal of the federal government to, to, to piggyback. And historically, the, people often don't think about this, but DOMA was a departure from the federal tradition on marriage, which is to piggyback on state law. Uh, it's simple. It's understandable. Uh, it In the many, many states where things like income tax filing uh, is a direct piggyback system, um, it worked very smoothly. Uh, they uncoupled that. They said, um, uh, we're going to potentially create a class of people who are married under their state's law but not under federal law. And the problems began. Uh, the way that the Ninth Circuit did it, it was not presuming that the Constitution required same-sex marriage anywhere 
in the other 49 states. They said that the way California did this, snatching away an existing right and not presenting a paper trail of documentation as to why this was happening, happened to fail just this once in California. They deliberately tailored in a narrow decision that was going to be hard to use if someone wanted to sue against the Louisiana uh, uh, ban on same-sex marriage. Unless the Supreme Court takes up the Prop 8 case and decides on a, on a different rationale, which is always possible, anything can happen with with, with the courts. But uh, if its basic choice is between whether to uh, accept the Ninth Circuit's narrow rationale and, and otherwise, the only real difference would be that California would get its um, previous law back allowing uh, same-sex marriage. Because some group of uh, individuals had been denied a right that they previously enjoyed. Yeah, and, and because it would be read that this particular statute, the way uh, it got on the ballot and was passed, uh, failed to reach a threshold of, as it were, convincingness. That's not the legal term of art. But uh, it um, again, this is uh, to some extent a deliberate strategy uh, by uh, judges who knew perfectly well uh, that if they said, uh, no, the Constitution requires same-sex marriage to be recognized from coast to coast, uh, you know, instantly it goes up and there are not necessarily five votes for that, although there may be four at this point. Um, so the strategy of the uh, same-sex marriage proponents has been uh, don't go big uh, at this point, uh, but, uh, you know, to, measure victories that uh, can probably be achieved. And uh, in this case, uh, it's no backward movement uh, might be summed up as one of the objectives and uh, at least uh, let the federal government go back to piggybacking uh, is the other achievable objective in their view. Walter Olson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at cato.org.